Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest has a new single out called Dodgeball, which is on iTunes and was recorded in L.A. as part of winning the Alchemy Song Contest. She also just played NAM, the National Association of Music Merchants, with the bassist who plays for Paul Simon. She is a songwriter who plays guitar and ukulele and performs both jazz and pop. You've been hearing one of her songs called Without You. It's my pleasure to welcome Rachel Pearl. Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, you and I got together in person in Nashville. It's nice to be talking with you again. I, I appreciate you arranging your schedule uh, to be <laughs> on the podcast today. It took a minute, but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, I know there's a lot of excitement around your new single, uh, which we will talk about and then play at the end of today's show, but. First, if you would, just talk about your song, Without You, since the listeners, unfortunately, didn't get to hear all the lyrics, what with me talking over it. Okay. Um, well, that was really my first vulnerable song that I wrote that was just truly honest about um, finding your person. And then, you know, you spend your life, a lot of, well, a lot of time looking for your romantic interest. And then when you find them, it's a whole different, not necessarily a worry, but a concern, but what happens if I lose you now that I found you? So it's just kind of that um, that kind of song, you know. Like I would just be so sad, and I couldn't I couldn't breathe if I lost you. So that kind of song. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, okay, and so now again, um, we will save the actual what the song is about talk for the end of this interview. But your new single, Dodgeball. I mentioned in the intro that you recently recorded that in L.A., and I want to mention here, listeners, that on that song, Rachel worked with producer Warren Hewitt, who has worked with the likes of Aerosmith, Colby Calais, and The Fray, to name just a few. So, Rachel, let me ask you one question first, and then there will be a follow-up for me. Uh, Start off by first talking about the Alchemy Song Contest that you won, which which gave you this opportunity. How did you find out about the contest? How did you enter? Uh, you know, how long was the whole process? Do you know how many people you beat out? Those types of things. Okay, well, I have a friend, uh, my best friend from college moved to Conway, Arkansas, and she was working at this school um, that's basically um, art, music, I think, that, and they have dance 
classes there and they have scholarships for um, students that want to go there and that's where the contest comes in and I'm always more inclined to go with the new those newer smaller contests because so many times especially like those huge contests where just thousands upon thousands of people enter I feel like you just give them your money and that's all that happens you know so for artists indie artists I feel like finding those small new um uh, contests are the way to go because uh, well, I had to drive there. You, they pick the top oh, ten wow. people. Wow! <laughs> yeah, they pick the top ten people, and um, I t- the first time I did it, I took the mega bus, and it only cost me seven dollars from Nashville to go to Conway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's what I did because I knew I wasn't making any. I wasn't going to make a lot of money. So um, I went and I did that, and I was in the top ten. And I got the best pop song, but I didn't win the overall. But um, I went, and that year Mary Steenburgen was one of the judges. She, um, she's uh, a famous actress, you know. Yeah, she you does- know, I, I know who she is, and, I, and now that you're saying that, I think I remember you telling me the story when when you and I had coffee in Nashville. But go go ahead, continue. Yeah. So, um, so we did. So I did that, and I got best pop song, but I didn't win. So the next year. I entered and I got the on the top ten again. I just had a good feeling about my song because I've written with this with a girl that um, lives in LA and she's just such a good crafter of songs. So I just was I was really confident in that that song. So I went and this year they had a lot of judges that were in publishing. So that was even more encouraging to me because they were all signed to major label publishing deals. Yeah, and I won it. Well, so <laughs> you you um. I want to ask a couple of follow-up questions because for, for openers, you know, you mentioned a co-write. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, I'm, I'm trying to put my myself in the position of the person that's listening that's saying, I'm a songwriter. I'd like to get into some of these contests that she's describing. So for openers, did the contest rule state that it's okay for it to be a co-write? It basically has to be okay with your co-writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to definitely ask them if it's okay because you sign a waiver so you pretty much they make sure that you're not <laughs> if you're an artist and you're kind of like me and you kind of float by some of those things they they bring it to your attention so yeah. just ask your co-writer you know okay and then so you know you mentioned that you had the friend and that was the link to the school um but but what what did you actually have to do to enter it was it just a form did you have to email an mp3 is it if you wanted to mm-hmm. enter you had to go there how, how did how did that work because i know that obviously once you got to the final 10 then sure you had to be there yeah. but but prior to that though it was an online sub, uh, submission and then um when you were when you were submitting your song you're agreeing to show up if you're in the top 10 which it is asking a lot but it was still a good opportunity either way to be in the top 10 you meet some people and you the whole it's kind of like an American Idol thing where they they give you responses after you stand after you perform and they they kind of tell you what they liked what you could have done better so uh, if you really have an open heart to hearing that sort of um, feedback it's good well yeah and from the standpoint of um you know, I, I'm not sure uh, if if there are loyal listeners out there that re- that remember. You can uh, email me or, or post on Facebook that I did already do this one. But um, in the middle of every show, when I give out a Bruce's bonus, there might have been one where I said, 
you know, that you want to get yourself into competitions where the judges know what they're talking about and they're not just sponsors or something like that. So Mm -hmm. as you pointed out, you know, for there to be music publishers, that's kind of one of those, you know what? Yeah, I do want to stick around and hear what they have to say because these are people that are decision makers in the music industry that know what's, you know, what people are looking for these days. And and so I'm, I'm sure you are happy to, to get that, that input from them. Right. Yeah. Plus some FaceTime with them isn't bad either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're getting a little off the script here, which is fine. Um, and, and I did plan to ask you later on and, and, and maybe once I get down to that part of my uh, list of questions, it'll still be valid. But, um, you know, you're, you're talking about, uh, finding some of these smaller competitions to enter um you know but again thinking of those people that are listening that are saying i'd like to get into those they're going well that doesn't help me she had a friend that knew about this so how do the up-and-comers rachel how do they find the smaller ones you know that they're not getting in their email box from reverb nation uh like like you alluded to and in reverb nation if if you folks are listening i'm not accusing you and i don't mean to to only single you out um but those that are listening that uh, are, are are in the industry know, you know, that, that Reverb Nation, to their credit, does send out lots and lots of opportunities. But yes, uh, a good number of them you have to pay for. Um, mm-hmm. And so, as you said, you know, sometimes regardless of where it came from, you feel like you're giving this money out and maybe you'll never hear anything. And it's like, well, did anyone ever even receive my email, not to mention listen to my song? So if people are saying, yeah, how do I find those other ones outside of Reverb Nation? I mean, you know, my first... My first piece of advice would be, well, obviously, you know, Rachel Networks. I mean, it's a friend, but friends can be, you know, network contacts for you. Um, but do you have any advice, Rachel, for how people can find these competitions that, that do fly a little bit below the radar? I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of a learn-as-you-go type of situation because I entered all the big ones at first, and I would get honorable mentions, and, you know, I would sometimes I wouldn't hear back from them all, and that is... Hearing nothing is almost worse than hearing this could be a lot better, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, But I, I heard from my friend, and I trusted her, you know, for it to be a, a quality competition. But, yeah, honestly, sometimes there's no way of knowing. And I, I submitted to so many of those those opportunities, I say in air quotes, on Reverb Nation. And some of them, I don't know if they, I don't think they screen them. And that may not be their responsibility, you know. But uh, a lot of times I've just learned not to... If it sounds too good to be true, sometimes it just really is, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, I won a tour on there once, supposedly, but that never happened. You won so. a tour? I won, uh, Yeah, a tour. They were going to, they said there's going to be a tour bus and all this stuff. I, nope, no. Wow. Interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting content always on, on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Um, so we, we got off on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, we, we started off talking about you entering the Alchemy Song mm-hmm. Contest, which ultimately led uh, to the single dodgeball that, that we're going to be talking about later on. But um, So next, still under that umbrella, just, I just want to cover the whole experience out in California. As I said, uh, we will talk later about actually writing the song and the meaning of dodgeball, but your trip out there was courtesy of the Music Empowers Foundation, and then as I mentioned, you got to work with Warren Hewitt. So the contest aside, uh, now that we've covered the Alchemy Song Contest, just talk about the whole California aspect, traveling there, working with Warren, that type of thing. 
So, yeah, so I couldn't believe that the trip was, they fly you out there. <laughs> and uh, it was two nights, and I got to take someone with me, so that was awesome. I wasn't just flying out there by myself. And so it was a hotel, flight, and a rental car. Wow. That's what they provided. Wow. I know, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, so, um, and, and plane tickets, so quite a bit of, of stuff. And so... I coordinated with Warren when I could meet with him, and he's a pretty busy guy. So it took took a few months to find a date, and um, I just met with him in his private studio, and it didn't take us very long because I've been performing this song a lot, and I've recorded an acoustic version. So after talking with him about what kind of sound we wanted, I just um, they just laid down some preliminary, you know, bare bone track kind of stuff like the rhythm section and i did the vocals and within a week he sent me the song and i just thought it was gorgeous but when you say after talking with him about what sound i wanted was that conversation before you ever even got to california no it was basically when i sat down with him shook his hand nice to meet you yeah yeah and uh and and they turned it around that fast Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, so I want to back up then because, um, not to put you on the spot, you know, but I guess, I guess there's, some, again, a, a, good learning, a good learning opportunity here, a teaching moment. Um, you know, you said a few minutes ago, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, I remember, oh, gosh, uh, 20, I want to say 24 years ago, maybe 24 and and. I know the listeners all think that I'm 29 years old. So I guess when Bruce was five, he went a trip to the <laughs> Super Bowl. And it had been because the local radio station uh, had won tickets to a game, a regular season game um, during the season. And, and they called me up at the end of the year and said, well, you know, everybody who won tickets during the season was entered into the grand prize drawing, which was uh, two tickets round trip to the Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, they told me that I won and I... I was shocked, and I called a coworker and told them. And the coworker said, "You need to call the radio station and ask them. Did someone from your station really just call me and say that I won this? Because you know it sounds too good to be true." So when you sit there and say that that some of the opportunities that you were seeing sounded too good to be true, uh, P.S. That that was legit, and I really did go to the Super Bowl. Oh, cool. Um, you know, then you win this this alchemy song contest, and they're telling you, "Oh yeah, two people flying to California, hotel, rental car. You're going to work with with Warren." You know, do do you at some point say, "Uh, that sounds too good to be true. I need to check this out with somebody," or or did you just kind of feel well, like, "Hey, I mean, you know, my friend was the one that turned me on to this thing in the first place. She wouldn't steer me wrong." I mean, luckily for me, when you do the top 10 show and you perform your songs, you meet everyone that's involved. So, I mean, it would be, it would make sense for them, for me to meet all of them because I knew who was doing what. And so I kind of got, and I knew that last year, the, the person that got to go and recorded, they performed their song and I didn't chat with her too much, but I knew it was legitimate because of all those, those things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because but otherwise, yeah, otherwise I just don't announce it until I know that it's true. Because the that free tour, I announced it, and I kind of mm. regretted regretted that. Wow, you know, yeah. And see, there's there's a great teaching moment right there. You know, sometimes you get terrific news, and you just want to tell everybody under the sun. 
mm-hmm. and and there you know there's a classic example right there of how it doesn't necessarily come back to bite you, but you end up realizing, well, maybe I should have held my tongue a little longer. Yeah. Um, before we get too much farther away from some of the highlights that I mentioned in the intro for this show, uh, let's kind of two-part the whole uh, Nam Show conversation. First, just tell the listeners, uh, especially the up-and-coming musicians, singers, songwriters, etc., who are listening, what that show is about and why it's good for someone like you, a writer and performer, to be there. Because I know this uh, wasn't your first year at that event. Well, I mean, um, it's basically just a chance for all the music merchants to show all their new, the new things they've been working on, the new new designs and new, um, basically, inventions that they've come up with. And some of them are, are pretty ridiculous, but there's also so many good good things that come out of NAM, And it's loud, and there's so much going on. But just going and, and being seen and working with the, the people, because I have some endorsements, so working with Kala is just such a good experience because they make really awesome things. And <laughs> um, it's so easy when people are like, what kind of ukuleles do you like? I have plenty of opinions about that. And there's there's other brands that I like as well, you know, and I I just really like what they do. And they're just really innovative, and they have the U-Base, and so that's how I got to work with um, some cool people doing that. Uh, I, I will again go off script and say, how did you get the endorsement? Because I know lots of people want those endorsement deals from all the different uh, manufacturers. You know, whether it's guitar, or drums, or, or what have you. So, you know, obviously they do look pretty long and hard at who the artists are before they go ahead and, and you know let that relationship uh, consummate. You know, putting putting the names together. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a formula or what you're supposed to do, but all I did was write these companies and say, I play ukulele, I tour all over, and um, they could see, you know, I had videos and shows listed, and um, they just took a chance on me. So uh, I think, you know, once again, like, uh, you know, guitar and all those things are so saturated there's so many really good guitar players out there and at a time that i was looking and playing ukulele there weren't as many people out there doing ukulele and i was touring and playing ukulele so i think it was just good timing yeah gotcha Uh, i am bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from nashville is singer songwriter rachel pearl visit her official website at www.rachelpearl.com she is all over social media. Check her out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest. There's links to all of those on the homepage of her website. And, of course, be sure to purchase her music. As I said, her new single, Dodgeball, is available on iTunes. Be sure that you're checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. And please tell others about it, too. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast. Post your comments on that Facebook page that I just mentioned. And I've even previously suggested that we get some love going for hashtag NHTE. So uh, let's continue to try that. And for those on iTunes, um, post a short review on there if you would and click hopefully all five stars to give the show a great rating. 
So, Rachel, we were talking about the NAMM show. Uh, you got to perform with the bassist that plays for Paul Simon. How cool was that? And uh, and how how did that opportunity come up? Honestly, I don't know how it happened. Um, <laughs> well, he's with Kala, and I'm with Kala, and I think that's that's pretty much how I got the opportunity because the guy who I work with at at the at Kala wrote me and said, "Do you want to do a breakfast session with Bikini?" And I Googled him, and then I was like, oh, my God, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've learned in life, it's just best to say yes. So, so yeah, I, I didn't feel fully equipped to play with such a player, you know, because I feel like I'm a singer who plays things, you know, but... He's very gracious, and I had a really good time working with him. So how does that work, then? Do you get together and play uh, his originals, your originals? Do you play Paul Simon songs? Do you talk um, on the phone the night before? Do you meet in a hotel room and, and rehearse? How, how, does, how does that come together? Well, he called me, and I, I sent him some song ideas that I thought we could do, and he told me um, a song or two I could play of his, and I scoured the Internet and found some versions of things he was looking at doing and um, sent him recordings. And then we just pretty much jammed the day before at NAMM, which is really loud in there. <laughs> so um, just like a little preliminary st- stuff, and then we just kind of went with it. Very cool. I mean, he's such a professional. You just you just go with it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> you're happy to be along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, talking about playing at large events like that, you'd played last year in Indiana at the Ukulele World Congress. <laughs> yes, I did. That was uh, fun. And uh, and and just talk about that experience a little bit. Well, um, it, it's not really a festival. It's just people just show up and play. So usually I go and get a gig at that sort of thing and then drive there and sell CDs and do all that. But it was really just a meetup. And uh, my mom was in town, and she plays ukulele, so we went up there and just had a really good time, jammed with, and, you know, ukulele players, we are a different breed. I'm (laughs) not sure how to describe the type of person, but just fun-loving and and not afraid to just, you know, be themselves. So it was pretty fun. Well, and forgive me, um, you know, we're a good ways into this, and... uh, I, I should have mentioned. Um, please go ahead and go ahead and talk about your parents because you do come from from quite a musical background. Well, my mom has been a singer my whole life, and uh, she started playing ukulele and writing. I think in her forties, um, but she, my whole childhood growing up, I um, heard her sing in blues bands and really cool horn section. You know, like full on awesome sounding bands growing up. So I was <laughs> pretty intimidated by that. Plus my <laughs> My great-uncle played in the first Woodstock, as well as with a lot of really um, famous artists. And um, he's a very, very talented keyboard player, so piano player. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a huge surprise when young Rachel decided that she was going to go into music, too. (laughs) I think the the non-artists in my family, they're a little disappointed. But, but yeah, I definitely have um, those, those two in my family to talk to and... And um, ask, look, ask questions as well as tell them what I've learned too. So it's pretty fun. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host 
and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is have a sample list available in case a venue wants you to email them a document that shows the bands that you cover. It doesn't have to be every single band, like a hundred different groups, but it also better not just be three or four. They want to know if you're going to be able to play the music that their customers want to hear during the three or four hours that you're there. And if all you do is cover one band, then just say, we're an Aerosmith cover band, or whatever group it is that you cover. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Okay, so I want to get back to where you were talking about... um, dodgeball and having won the alchemy song contest because you had actually won as you mentioned in the pop genre the year before as well and you've gotten a lot of other mileage out of contests you were the runner-up in the durango songwriters expos right with a hit maker contest last year uh heck as far back as eight years ago you were one of the top emerging artists of 2006 by american idol magazine and you also have been honorable mention in Billboard's annual list. Uh, I should start by saying congratulations, um, but what is it about these competitions that you have decided are really worth pursuing as aggressively as you've obviously done? And I know you talked before that, well, I like to pick the ones that are a little off the beaten path instead of the mainstream ones, but my point here, and and I probably already made it and, and I'm kind of beating the dead horse here, but in other words, um, somebody might decide, uh, you know, because if you're doing music the way Rachel Pearl is, it's a business. Uh, and somebody might say, you know, my business uh, has chosen not to go down the road of contests. So it doesn't matter if it's mainstream or, or the, the ones that you've chosen, Rachel. What was it about the whole contest avenue that appealed to you that said, yes, I'm going to make this a part of my business. I'm going to pursue these. I mean, contests can be really frustrating. And honestly, um, I do suggest doing the Durango songwriter, you know, the hit right with the hit maker, because that one is small as well. And just that whole community is very helpful if you're willing to get better and learn and write with a hit maker, possibly. So, I mean, you just want to choose what is, what's worth it to you. You know, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't, I mean, because you can spend all your time doing contests, but if you're not ready and you don't know it, you're just feeding your money into those big, large ones, you know. Mm. So these these small ones, can you can get some really good feedback and um, and work on some things if you really want to, you know. Very good. Uh, Rachel, you released two jazz CDs and then did a self-titled CD, which was in the pop genre. Why the switch, and how easy or difficult did you find that change to be? Whoa, okay. Well, I will say um, jazz is always, um, that's my background, and that's what I just really, I will always love jazz. And it's just the thing, honestly, pop, pop music back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s was all those jazz standards that are that are the great american songbook now and to me those were the top 40 songs and it, so it wasn't that far of a leap for me to like pop songs and top 40 songs and find out what about those songs makes them so popular and so alluring to hear over and over again so i i, I listen to pop music a lot even when i was doing jazz and i will say vocally it's really different and it's it can be um 
I mean, it's really hard to sing jazz, but it's uh, to me switching from jazz to pop was equally as difficult. So I don't know. It's I mean, you can't you can't use a lot of vibrato and uh, you sing more in your chest voice sometimes. And uh, I don't know. It's hard to hard to explain, but it was it was a fun new challenge for me. Well, you perform pretty regularly, and as of today, you have shows booked out as far as mid-October already. Is it a challenge to perform, say, uh, in a jazz trio one night, but then be pushing your pop song Dodgeball or working during the day on writing more pop music? I, I feel like it's all equally as challenging to me. I, I like it all, and I'm, I'm just so I feel so grateful that I could do all those things and still be myself and true to what I to my artistry. You know, when you do the when you do the pop music, um, you know, I mentioned a jazz trio. Uh, who is playing with you when you, when you're performing the pop songs? Um, well, basic. Well, I've kind of morphed into um, having a more poppy band. Mm-hmm. And um, they play my jazzier sets with me now too. Okay. So I don't have an upright bass anymore, but I still have, I still have that caliber of player that can do the pop songs with me. You know, we can do a '90s hip hop song, and then we can do somewhere over the rainbow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but sometimes I play by myself, and sometimes I do have the the pop players. I might change drummers. It just kind of depends on the situation. So, your dream scenario, uh, the the record label of your choice comes to you and says, we want to sign you to this huge deal, um, and everything is right for you, but they tell you, you have to make a choice. You're either going to record with us as a jazz artist or a pop artist. Which one do you choose? Well, I think if it was a major label artist, it would be a pop. It would be a pop situation. So, as long as I could keep um, my jazzy background... Because I think that would make me unique as a pop artist. You know, I, I think that I could still be true to myself and really explore what that would, would sound like. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture where you have control of everything. Um, so, I, you know, I can appreciate where you're coming from with if it's a major label, they're probably going to want you to do pop. Uh, but I just, yeah. I just sense, you know, that, that jazz is, is really where your heart is and that you're enjoying doing the pop and that you're succeeding at it. Uh, but gun to the head, you know, it might be might be jazz. You know, I guess I, I'm not sure. I, I really, if someone said you can never sing jazz anymore, I I would definitely I can I can't imagine that world. <laughs> you know, uh, if, if I could do both somehow, you know, like do a jazz song and um make it. The thing is that that's truly I. It's um, frustrating for me is I feel like people don't. People think they don't like jazz, like the ma- the mass population of, of people. Uh, they they think they hear the word jazz and they think, oh, that's sophisticated. I don't know what that is, and yeah. I don't I don't like I can't I can't identify with that. And so that's where that's where I get I get frustrated because people do like jazz, you know. Yeah, they say they don't like it, and they have a perception of what it is. And the next thing you know, they're tapping their foot. And not realizing that it's a jazz song that they're enjoying. Yeah, and and the closest they can identify is say, you know, you sound like Nora Jones, and I receive that because I know what they're trying to tell me is that that's what that's what they know, you know. Yeah, and they they can appreciate Nora Jones. 
Um, I, I, I want you to talk about, you know, I, if, if my memory is correct, I believe you've been in Nashville uh, since 2000. And, yeah. you know, you are having a lot of success in the music business. And the only genres that we're talking about relative to Rachel Pearl are jazz and pop. But you're doing it all from Nashville. And, and I've said before, there's you know, a big misunderstanding that people think that Nashville is, is only country music. Uh, but I'd just like to kind of hear you speak on the fact that you are able to have success in the music business from Nashville doing two genres, neither of which is country. I mean, there's a lot of country downtown, like a mile from my house, you know, on uh, Broadway with the Honky Tonks. But there's so much music here. And I will say with publishing, it's a lot of country and as well as Christian. But they're still doing a lot of other things here. And they might be working with people in L.A. or New York or other places in the U.S. So there's still a lot going on. And uh, I don't mind traveling to the West Coast or to the the East Coast. And as long as um, the thing is that I like about Nashville is there's so many people to write with and jam with and be encouraged and inspired by. And um, it, sometimes it's hard to get gigs here, but um, as far as writing and creating music, this is the this is the place to be. And you can pitch to people all over the world, you know? Well, you don't have to... Go ahead. You don't have to be... You don't have to be in L.A. to send a song to a TV supervisor or music person, you know? Right. Uh, but, you know, you also mentioned something there about you're not afraid to travel. I mentioned Indiana, uh, Arkansas, Kentucky. These are all places that you've gone to. So you're right. You know, Nashville is your base. Uh, but if you think that you're moving to Nashville and you're going to determine your success on how well you do in Nashville, then you need to take the blinders off. I, well, it just depends on what your definition of success is, and that's different for everyone, you know. But I, I mean, yeah, if you just want to get steady gigs here in Nashville, it takes a long time. I mean, I have some steady gigs here, and they're really coveted, and I am so grateful to have them, you know. Um, but yeah, you can't just come here. I, I meet a lot of people. They're like, "Who who books that? Can you give me their information?" I'm not going to do that. I don't know who you are. I don't know uh, how well, you know, I, I just can't vouch for people in that way, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, that puts me in a difficult situation a lot of times. Sure, because your your name is on the line and, you know, the, the contacts that you've nurtured over the years, you don't want to all of a sudden make a bad name with them uh, to yeah. the point where they're going to say, you know, Rachel's always got her hand out or... Yeah, the last person she sent me, I did a favor for, and they were terrible. Now she's at, now she's wanting to send me someone again. Mm-hmm. How's this person going to be? Yeah, when I should just be focusing on my job, <laughs> you know. It's good advice. I am Bruce Wozniak, <laughs> and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville is singer songwriter Rachel Pearl. Visit her official website at www.rachelpearl.com. She is all over social media. Check her out on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube. She's on Instagram, Pinterest. There's links to all of those on the homepage of her website. And, of course, be sure to purchase her music. I mentioned already her new single, Dodgeball, is available on iTunes, so do go and buy that. Be sure that you're checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. 
That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends, coworkers, family members about it as well. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower or subscribe to the YouTube channel. And please, uh, your feedback on the podcast, go ahead and post your comments on the Facebook page that I just mentioned. Uh, and again, for those that are on iTunes, would love it if you'd post a short review on there and click hopefully all five stars to give the show a great rating. That really does help a lot. Rachel, I've been mentioning that you're all over social media, and I haven't even mentioned LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation. So that's probably at least nine different online destinations counting your own official website. Um, we all know how much work it is and how much time it all consumes. Do you use Hootsuite or something similar? You you obviously feel that you want all of those social media channels working for you. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, I don't use Hootsuite. Um, I have in the past. I just um, I try to keep. I mean, I do. I just use each of the, one of those for certain things, and I feel like you really want to be on most of those things. So there's no. If someone seeks you out, they can find you. You know, I think that's important because um, you got to keep it simple and you have to just stick with what works for other people, you know? Yeah, you don't want to assume, well, everybody's on Facebook, so that's the only place I need to be. And maybe there's some people that are sick of it, so they're only on Twitter, you know, or there's people that are just music, 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 and so their focus is Reverb Nation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, You are in Nashville, so you're right in the heart of one of our country's three biggest cities for the music business. At one point in time, you worked for Warner Music Group. Um, most up-and-comers would hear that and think it's their ticket to an eventual record deal because they've got their foot in the door. But it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not that simple. Give, give that part of our audience some insight on all that. Well, before I worked for them, I worked for um, Bug Music, which is now owned by BMG. And people would just come in all the time and just want to talk to somebody. And it was so awkward. I was a receptionist at that time. And they were just, they just thought that's how you did it. And I, I admire their, you know, their audacity and their, their, (laughs) their just extreme. um, I don't know. They, they just walked in and wanted to talk to someone and, and uh, that's just not how you do it. And even, and I, I really wanted to make those kind of connections with my bosses who were, the song pluggers and the decision makers and they really didn't see me that way either so i think that happens a lot a lot of people just hope that that will that will um foster some relationships in um in a professional way different from your job and it's really it really doesn't help you in fact i think it could hurt you a little bit because a receptionist in that kind of job you don't get promoted you know to anything else besides receptionist you know they really don't see you as anything other than that. And with Warner Music Group, I sold choir music <laughs> to churches. Um, so I was in like the Christian label and then in the choir thing. So it was it was pretty specific, you know. Well, it is, but I think where I'm going with that question is that you know people would hear that and say, "I don't care if you're the receptionist or if you're selling choir music. You're in the door. You can walk into the right person's office and drop a CD on their desk and say, "Hey, by the way, Rachel, I'm the one out front. Uh, this is my music that I do when I'm not working here." Um, but you know, it, it's not it's not the approach that you want to take. Is you know, is the obvious point that I'm trying to make. But I just kind of wanted you to walk people through that. Uh, yeah, you know, because I mean. I feel like Nashville's a good town 
for, I mean, we see famous people a lot and you, you just, there's just kind of a code, an unsaid code that you just don't do those types of things. Some people do and you look at them and you size them up in a moment. And honestly, that moment can pretty much like ruin you. I feel like, I mean, I know it's a strong word, but these people that come in and do those sorts of things, no one gives them a second glance. And uh, in this town, especially, you have to you have to find a different avenue. You can't just walk into your boss and hand him a CD because I think he's already thinking about how to find a different receptionist at that point. You know <laughs> That's just not how you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so now that you've had a taste of L.A., uh, any interest in going back there, either from time to time or possibly even looking at a move? Or, or is Nashville still definitely the place for you, and, and, and why? Or, or maybe it's why not? Um, I go to L.A. at least once a year these days for the past few years. And um, I go there for a week, and I'm totally ready to come back when I'm done. Um, I like that place, and there's so so many things happening. I mean, that's to me, is like the major hub for a lot of what I want to do. But um, as far as affordability and just that being something I can do, I... I, at this time, I don't really see myself living in L.A. Um, I like going there and coming back. And I work with people there, and I write with people. And there's some of my favorite writers live in L.A. But um, I, I really don't see myself moving. I'm mean, not to say that I won't ever, ever move, but I just really like Nashville. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just going to say, going back to my hypothetical example of, of the record label, and they say, you need to move to L.A., uh, it sounds to me like you wouldn't <laughs> consider that a deal breaker for you know for a moment. I mean, if I could just go there for like a few months and come back, that would be a possibility. You know. Fair but, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been teasing this and promising it throughout the podcast today. Um, we are in the home stretch here, so. We are going to play Dodgeball in its entirety. Um, really great song, by the way. I've, I've got Thanks. to say that first. I'm really impressed, um, you know, with, with what you did and, and obviously, you know, the work that, that Warren Hewitt um, put into it. So go ahead and talk about the writing process for this song and, of course, the meaning behind the song, the inspiration for it. And, and of course, again, understanding listeners that, um, and, and Rachel, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me as though, the song had already been written, because otherwise, how would you have entered that song in the contest, or, or, am, or am I wrong in that assumption? Yeah, it was already written. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this the girl I wrote this with, her name is Athena Marie, and uh, she lives in L.A., and I've actually only written with her, with the exception of one time for like 20 minutes, um, online via Google Hangout or Skype. So... Um, we got together and we originally wanted to write a song for Cher Lloyd because she had a new record coming out and she was taking submissions for that. And so um, Cher Lloyd's like really sassy and just over the top um, and just very like woman power kind of uh, thing she does. So we, and I like that Athena and I write totally different types of songs. And mm. I don't even remember how we got to Dodgeball. <laughs> But uh, I think it might have it might have been her idea, and so um, we just went with that theme and just stuck with it. And we we you know we just um, it was so it's fun to write with her, and it's really a fun song to sing, and it was really fun to write. So we just kind of kept with the 
the <laughs> it's not a, a man hater song, but you got to work for it kind of song for <laughs> for the guys, you know. And and so I got to record that. I so we never got to record it um, the way that Cher Lloyd would probably produce it or close to that way. Um, but that's that's basically how it started. Do you prefer uh, to do co-writes, or or how you know what what would you say is the percentage of of songwriting that you do alone versus with others? And and then I have a follow up for that too. I used to write a lot by myself, but I didn't write very much, um, and it's only when I was like really, really, really inspired. So I'd only write a handful of songs a year by myself, but I schedule co-writes all the time, and um, so I do much more co-writing than than writing by myself. And like easily ninety five percent co write. <laughs> and is is Athena the only one? And, and I, I realize you said that you don't do a ton with her, but is she the only one that you do long distance, or are there others? Because I'm surprised, you know, Skype and, and, and Google Hangouts and things like that. You know, these these aren't something that just came out in 2014, and I'm surprised at how many people don't take advantage of those tools to write long distance with one another. Well, for some people, the latency is an issue, um, but I don't write with instruments, and so I don't get hung up by um, by that. And so sometimes we'll be singing together and won't line up, but so right, that's an issue right. for some people. And some some people that have publishing deals just don't they just don't even see that as a legitimate co-write, which I think is ridiculous. Huh. Wow, it's ridiculous. I mean, any chance you can write with someone, especially you know the writers that I want to write with, if they're not living here, I certainly write with them if they're willing to over Skype or Google Hangout. So um, I have a few writers that I do that with. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine sitting with a publisher. They listen to your song. They love it. Who'd you write that with? I write, wrote that with uh, Jane Doe. Really? Wow. Really, you, the two of you did a really great job. Yeah, thanks. We, uh, we, we did a lot of Skype sessions to get that one done. Oh, wait a minute. You did it over Skype? It's not such a great song after all. <laughs> yeah, no one says that. <laughs> Well, Rachel, it's been an, a, a real pleasure to talk to you today. And, and again, uh, thank you so much for making the time to be on the podcast. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thanks for sticking with me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as has become standard practice, uh, standard operating procedure, I will close by formally thanking my guest, singer-songwriter Rachel Pearl. I will remind you listeners to please check her out online at www.rachelpearl.com. She is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Hold on, I'm taking a breath here. (laughs) Reverb Nation, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, SoundCloud. There are links to all of those on rachelpearl.com. Please be sure to engage with her on those social media sites and keep up with where she's performing, too. Go see her live. And, of course, legally download her new single from iTunes. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's it, just one field. And, of course, please do subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Uh, A nice review, as I mentioned, on iTunes or even Stitcher uh, would be just wonderful and hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. If you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there. As I mentioned before, uh, your feedback is always welcome. Post your comments on the Now Hear This page on Facebook. There are links to that and Twitter and YouTube on nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www. 
www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Rachel Pearl. This is the one that she talked about called Dodgeball. Oh, hit him one, two, three, four. Oh, I'm gonna bounce too many players up in here. Better watch out if you're in the atmosphere. All the guys with no swagger hitting on me. One by one, I put them out of their misery. Yeah, I'm gonna ball it. How bad do you want it? Bounce it left, bounce it right if you wanna play tonight. Hey, boy, you think you got my dodgeball, give out just the same. I'm gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya. Gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya. Hey boy, let's see what you got. If you want victory, come on, take your best shot. I'm gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya. Gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya. Oh, yeah. That's right. Get your head spinning, gotta try harder cause I got it slamming If you want it bad, be the last man standing Yeah, I'm gonna ball it, boy, you almost caught it Bounce it left, bounce it right, better keep it up all night Hey boy, you think you got game? If you can't dodge my dodgeball, you're out just the same I'm gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya Gonna bounce you, bounce you, bounce ya Bounce, you bounce, you bounce, you bounce, you bounce.